Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series called Who Is This God? A study of Exodus 34, 6 through 7. Through this important scripture, we'll learn that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Thanks for joining us. The adjective or the superlative that I think of the most is his love, his unending love, his unstoppable love, the way that he has loved me and chased me with his love. It, it is almost overwhelming, even, even right now. There are things in my life that have led me to live my life now you know, in God's love or uh, in His will. But I think for the most part, you, you have a test or you have a trial in your life, you know, one that knocks you off your feet almost, one that takes your breath away, one that, that unless God intervenes, you don't know what you're going to do. I had a, a trial in my life that I felt like I was going to die. So I was so desperate. And so I said, then I'm going to try this fasting and prayer. And I tell you, I ran after God with all my heart. I remember because nobody, nobody uh, was helping me. And not because nobody would, but I was too embarrassed to even reach out. I, I was trying to do it on my own. And so then I was alone for most of my struggle. And so I remember one day I was on my knees and I was praying to God and I was praying and I was crying and I was praying. I'm not sure whether the tears in my heart were bigger than the tears in my eyes. I just praying to God. And I said, God, I can't do this. I need your help. I felt like the room lit up white, you know, after I finished. And because of that, when I got up, I knew that God had answered my prayer. I don't want any more, you know, big trials and tribulations, but I think those things shape your relationship with God. And I think people have them, whether it's health, whether it's a loss of a parent or a breakup or a divorce or, you know, those, I think when you go through those things and you come out on the other side, boy, you love God more and you know there is nothing that can take you away from his love. Grateful for Marie, grateful for the Rochelle family. You'll see videos throughout this series of how God has answered that prayer. Just like Moses prayed, we're going to look at, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And he revealed himself to Marie. Hey, in 1991, the Guinness World Record was set for the longest name ever recorded. I want to share a picture of that name with you. I can't say it. This 31-year-old woman has 1,023 letters in her legal name, and she goes by Jamie. <laughs> she goes by Jamie, and the mom, when asked about this name, said it was a compilation of more than 100 first names that she liked, many of which were names of relatives. The name of this young lady held significant meaning to the mom. 
And while we may not have that many letters in our names or the names of our children, names are important. Names are important, and we know they're important because the amount of time moms and dads spend naming their children. If you've ever gone through this exercise, right, you know what I'm talking about. You go through names, and you're like, nope, can't name our kid that because I knew somebody in high school with that name. Nope, can't name my kid that. I dated somebody with that name. Or we can't name our kid a certain name because it just doesn't roll off the tongue. Whatever it is, we take naming our kids seriously. And if you don't have kids, I'm sure your parents took your name seriously. Names are important. And if they're important for us, they were even more important 5,000 years ago in ancient times. I read a quote this week that stated, in the world of the Old Testament, a personal name was often thought to indicate something essential about the bearer's identity, origin, birth circumstances, or the divine purpose that the bearer was intended to fulfill. I love how one person put it. Names in the Bible were your autobiography in one word. Let me give you just several examples. This is just from the first couple pages of the Bible, right? Adam, the name of the first male human God created, was named because he is from the earth or from the Adama. Adam. And he in turn named his wife Eve because she's the mother of all living people. And the name Eve sounds like the word for life. I could go down the list of names with significance throughout the Bible. But what we need to know, if you're following in your notes, is in the Bible, names reveal character and purpose. Names reveal character and purpose. So let me ask you a question. Did you know that God has a name? Did did you know that God is not God's name? It's a title, but it's not his name. He has a name, and his name reveals his character, and his name reveals his purpose and allows us to know who he is and how he wants to relate to us. And when we don't know God's name, when we don't know his name, we impose on God who we think he is instead of allowing him to inform us of who he is. And here's what happens most of the time we end up with a God who looks just like us. There's a professor at Northern Seminary in Lombard, Illinois, named Scott McKnight. He tells the story of giving his class, the class is named Jesus of Nazareth. He gives the class the same test every year, first day, and he says, without fail, the results are nothing short of amazing. The first part is about God. It asks the students to imagine God's personality, And then the second part asks the same questions of the students and asks them about their personality. And McKnight says the test is not about right or wrong answers. It's not designed to help students understand Jesus. That's the purpose of the class. He said, instead, given to enough people, the test will reveal that we all think God is like us. To one degree or another, we all conform God to our image. There's this famous quote from the 1700s. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, in the beginning, God created people in his own image, and we've been trying to repay him ever since. If we don't know God's name, 
We impose on him who we think he is. And the reason this is so important and potentially dangerous is because if you're following in your notes, who we believe God is has profound implications for who we are because we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship. If we think God is an angry God, that's his default. Incredible whole anger God. We're going to become angry people. If we will excuse our anger in the name of God, if we believe God's a tyrant, we will always be on the hamster wheel of work to earn his love. Do you see how that shapes us? If we think God is untrustworthy, we will grasp for control instead of trusting him. We become like what we worship. I just want you to think about this for a minute. And this is a bit of an extreme example, but it illustrates the point. ISIS terrorists act the way they do because they believe they are following a God who rewards their violence. Right? Who we believe God is has profound implications for who we are and how we live our lives. A.W. Tozer, a pastor in Chicago in the early 1900s, has this quote. He says, we tend by a secret law of the soul. It's like he's saying, this is your default. This is your default. We move toward our mental image of God. So what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If that's true, then perhaps the most important question we can ask is who is this God? Who is it? This is why we're spending the next six weeks in a series called Who Is This God? Because if you're following in your notes, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because it shapes who we are. We've been praying for this series for some of you. During this series, we're praying that you might find true faith for the first time and you learn who this God is. You may have some preconceived notions of who you think God is, or you've wondered what he's like, if he even exists. You've struggled to relate to him for any number of reasons. We're praying this series can help reveal the true character of God. And for others, we've prayed this series will help you give yourself more fully to Jesus and his mission, because when we know the name of God, and we understand his character, we understand his purpose, it empowers us to live on mission with him. So we want to say up front, a framework for this series is based on a book by John Mark Comer uh, called God Has a Name. You can see that at the Resource Center today. And while this book was helpful in structuring the series, it just gave us some framework. If we want to know who God is, all this book does is it goes to the word of God. And if we want to know who God is, then we need to go to the source. We go to the Bible, and we're going to look at the same two verses each week found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. It's one of the most important passages in the Bible where God declares his name. He declares his name to Moses. It's one of the few places in the Bible where God describes himself. God's saying, this is what I'm like. It's one of the few places. This passage has been called the John 3.16 of the Old Testament because it was so well known. It's the most quoted scripture by scripture. Over 20 times in the Bible, this scripture is quoted. 
So we'll do this each week, but let's read these two verses together for the first time in this series. These are the two verses we'll come back to again and again. Would you read these with me in the first gray box on your notes or on the screen? And he, God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. For extra credit, you can memorize that over the next six weeks. You can even memorize it as a family. That'd be a great homework assignment. Those are the two verses we'll come back to again and again. But before we look at those two verses, we need to look at where God first revealed his name to Moses. And it's not Exodus 34. It's actually in Exodus chapter 3. And to understand the context of Exodus 34, we have to go back to Exodus 3. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. It's the second book in the Bible, Genesis and then Exodus If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. Exodus chapter 3 can be found on page 46 of those Bibles. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, please take that home with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. Be great to have the Bible open in front of you as we're walking through this to take notes and circle things and write things down. In Exodus 3, as you're making your way there, there's a man named Moses who God chose to lead God's people out of slavery in Egypt. And in Exodus 3, Moses is tending sheep, and he sees a bush on fire, but it's not burning up. Some of you have heard about that, the burning bush. And when Moses goes over to look, God calls him, and from within the bush, Moses hears his name, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And then we get to verse 5, if you're following in your Bibles or on the screen. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then God goes on to tell Moses that he's heard the cries of his people in slavery in Egypt. And he has come to rescue them. And to accomplish that rescue, he is sending Moses to Pharaoh to lead God's people out of Egypt. And then in verse 11, we read, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses says to God, who am I? And God's response in verse 12 is that God said, I will be with you. And I just want to pause there for just a second. I love that. Moses says, who am I that you would want to partner with me to accomplish your purposes? And God's response is, I'll be with you. It isn't to puff Moses up or to tell him how great he is. It is to reassure him of his presence. There's a pastor in North Carolina that says this, real confidence comes not from competence, but from the assurance of God's presence. Have you ever experienced this, right? You you know God's asking you to do something. Talk to that person, forgive someone, invite someone to church, whatever it is, and you think to yourself, I don't know what I'm doing here. 
I'm not the right person for this. And in those situations, we need to remember that it's in those moments we don't have to have it all figured out. We remember that God is with us. I put off going to seminary for years and years because I had a a nagging negative thought that I just wasn't good enough. And over time, God was so good to reveal to me that I was absolutely right. I wasn't good enough, but he was, and he is good enough, and he would be with me. And I think we can all identify with Moses right here. So we're just putting ourselves in the story. God says, I'll be with you, Moses. And I think that gave Moses a little confidence. But we see in verse 13 to 14, if you're reading in your Bibles, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And now we've reached the point in the story where God gives us his name for the first time in recorded history. Would you read this with me in the second grade box on your notes or on the screen? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So if you're following in your notes, God's personal name, God's personal name is I am or the letters Y-H-W-H. Y-H-W-H. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and God's name is four letters in Hebrew. It's Y-H-W-H. It's sometimes referred to as the Tetragrammaton. I think that was the wordle yesterday. That means four letters. It's just four letters. And in Hebrew, there's no vowels. There's no vowels in the written language. So the vowels A and E are the best guess we have. You can see it on the screen, and almost all scholars agree that this is correct. So God's name is pronounced Yahweh. Yahweh. But we're going to go just a little bit deeper on this original language thing, okay? Stick with me just for another minute, because I believe there's going to be huge payoff. It's going to give us a greater understanding and meaning of God's name. So Yahweh, I am in Hebrew, is Aye. We're actually going to put that on the screen. That's Aye. So when, when God was talking to Moses, he would have said Aye. When God says its name, his name, it is I am. When we say his name, it is Yahweh, he is. It's Yahweh, he is. Is. We go from first person to the third person, and this is so interesting. It's why we're going here. The name of God is a verb. If you're following in your notes, that God's name is a verb. It's the verb of existence. I am. He is. And what this means is the God of the Bible does not have a beginning or an ending. He didn't come from anywhere and he's not going anywhere. He is the same all of the time and forever. Nothing preceded him. Nothing created him. He is self-sustaining. He is eternal. He's unchanging. He is always and forever the same I am he is. That is Yahweh. So God has revealed his personal name. However, we don't see the name Yahweh in our English Bibles very much especially in the New Testament, even though the name Yahweh is used 6,800 times in the Bible. The reason for that, and we're almost done with the grammar lesson, we're almost done. 
It's because over time, Jewish people stopped saying the name Yahweh out loud because they were afraid they were gonna break the third of the 10 commandments of taking the Lord's name in vain. So they just stopped saying it all together. And the title that they replaced Yahweh with was the word Adonai. If you grew up in the 80s or 90s, you've heard worship songs with Adonai in them all the time. It's a Hebrew word meaning Lord, which is what a servant would call a master. So they use that title for God. And because of this Jewish switch in your Bibles, if you're following in your notes, when you read Lord, which is small caps in the Old Testament, or Lord, lowercase in the New Testament, you can insert the word Yahweh. You can insert the word Yahweh, Lord and Lord equal Yahweh, which is what we did when we read Exodus 34, 6 and 7 together. Just take a deep breath. You made it. Way to go. Grammar test will be down the hall at 1130. Bring a sharpened number two pencil. So let's pause here. Right? We, We know God's name. Let's just pause for a minute and ask another question. What would this name have communicated to Pharaoh when Moses said, I am sent me? Why did God need a name in the first place? And what we need to understand to answer this question is that in the Old Testament, it was written against the backdrop of many cultures who worshiped little G gods, little G gods. And I don't know if you know this or not, or you believe this to be true, but the Bible seems to communicate that these little G gods were real. They were real. Sometimes we just say like, oh, all those gods are false gods. There's actually real little G gods. And I think in the West, we struggle to believe this. And I love what Comer says about this. You can see on the screen, he says, the scripture writers just assumed that the universe is full of real spiritual beings who have a degree of power to animate evil empires, unleash injustice, stop the answer to prayers, shape natural disasters, and even take over people's minds and bodies to carry out their dark agendas. These little G gods are real. And to quote some scriptures to let you know that this was pervasive in the story we looked at today, where God sends Moses to confront Pharaoh. In Exodus 12, 12, God says, I will bring my judgment on all the gods of Egypt. And did you know all of the plagues, the 10 plagues, are directed at specific Egyptian little G gods? When God's people crossed the Red Sea, the first thing they did was sing a song of praise. And we read in Exodus 15, 11, who among the gods is like you? You are Yahweh, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. In the Psalms, which is the hymn book of Israel, we read Psalm 86, 8. It says, among the gods, there is none like you, Lord Yahweh. No deeds compare with yours. Or Psalm 96, 4. Great is the Lord Yahweh and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. And why do you think the first of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, is you shall have no other gods before me? Before me can be translated above me or in place of me. Now, this can be an entire another message, 
But there are, in fact, created, invisible, but real spiritual beings, little g, gods. And what God's name would have revealed to Moses, what it reveals to Pharaoh, what it reveals to us is there, there is one true creator God who made the world and everything good and beautiful and true. He is the source of life. He is the source of meaning. He is the source of significance. And he is the only way that our life will last past death into eternity. And he deserves our worship. That's why God gave his name. And I used to think, I, we would sing songs. Sometimes we sing songs with these little G gods in them that he is above all other gods. I used to think, and it's almost embarrassing to admit this, but I used to think that if I admit that there were other little G gods, it would somehow diminish the God I read about in the Bible. But what I've come to believe wholeheartedly, that rather than diminish who God is, it strengthens my faith. If you're following in your notes to know that Yahweh is God above all other gods. He is the God that is above all other little G gods. Who is this God? He's Yahweh. And after this encounter with the burning bush, Moses goes to Pharaoh. He commands Pharaoh to let God's people go. Pharaoh doesn't relent. God sends the 10 plagues until Pharaoh finally said, go Moses leads God's people across the Red Sea. You might remember that great story of deliverance. And they stop at Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up on the mountain several times to get instructions from God, the Ten Commandments. And in chapter 33, and you may want to flip over to chapter 33 right now. You're in Exodus 3. You may want to flip over to 33. You might just want to underline a couple of these phrases we're going to look at. Exodus 33 is one of those times when Moses is on the mountain with God and Moses enters into a conversation with God, which is, it just blows your mind. And in chapter 33, verse 18, Moses asks God to show him his glory. Show me your glory. Moses was asking to see God for who he really was. I want to see you. I want to know you. And in response to Moses' request, we read in Exodus 33, you can follow in your Bibles or on the screen, verse 19 to 23. And the Lord Yahweh said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no one may see me and live. Verse 21, then the Lord Yahweh said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And now we're at our verses. We're, we're up to where we are. We're at our verses for this series, Exodus chapter 34. If you need to flip the page in your Bible, I'm going to begin in verse 5 and then have you read the beginning of verse 6 with me again. Verse 5 on the screen says, Then the Lord Yahweh came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord Yahweh. And then would you read that with me in the First gray box, just the first line, or it's on the screen. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh. Moses asked God to see his glory. 
And God said, I'll show you my glory. Here's my name. Here's my name. And God says his name not once, but twice. It's God's way of saying he wants us to pay attention. Repetition reveals importance. Today, if you want to get somebody's attention when you write, you italicize it, you underline it, you bold it, you put it in all caps. But in the ancient world, if you want to drive a point home, you would repeat it. And God says to Moses, here's my name. This is what I'm like. My name reveals my glory. My name reveals my goodness. It reveals my character and my purpose. And over the next six weeks, we'll look at each of these characteristics that God uses to describe himself. But for our remaining time together this morning, I just want to make a couple of connections about the importance of this name, Yahweh. Because if the question we're attempting to answer is, who is this God? Then we need to know what we learn from his name. If you're following in your notes, the first First important piece to pull out. If you're following in your notes, the creator God created you and wants a relationship with you. We've already said this. Our God's a God of creation. He is the uncreated one who has always existed. And when God created the world on the sixth day, he breathed life into human beings and created his masterpiece. And he said, it is very Good. God did not need to create people. God made us in his image so that the world would be filled with reflectors of him, images of God, so people could see his goodness and his glory, and nobody would miss the point of creation. And throughout the Bible, we're told over and over again that God desires to be with his prized creation. God is relational, and he wants to relate to you. He wants to know you and be known by you. I was thinking about this this morning with the, this little, this idea of little G gods. There's no other gods who have come down because they wanted to be with people. They are distant. They're aloof. They're unknown. But our God, our God came down. Our God wants to be known and to know you. It sets them apart. And if you're here today, if you're here today and you're lonely, if you're here today and you're longing for community, you're wondering what the meaning of life is or why you exist, it's not an accident that you're here. God wants you to know that he has created you and he wants a relationship with you, which leads to the second amazing connection that we need to make to the name Yahweh. If you're following in your notes, Jesus is God, Yahweh in the flesh. Remember, names reveal character and purpose. And in the birth story of Jesus, in the gospel of Matthew, chapter one, verses 20 and 21, we we read this. I'm gonna put it on the screen. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This name Jesus in Hebrew would have been Yahoshua or shortened to Yeshua or Yahshua. Can you hear that? Yahweh, Yahoshua, Yahshua. Jesus' name, and you may just want to write this in your notes or write it in your Bibles. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. 
he saves. Yahweh is salvation. Jesus' name reveals God's character and his purpose. Jesus was the fulfillment of Moses' request to show me your glory. In Jesus, Yahweh became a human being. And in the gospel of John, we see Jesus repeatedly taking the name I am, Yahweh, and declaring this is who he is. He says, I am the light, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the resurrection, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is not just using those words by happenstance. He is using them on purpose. And in John 8, 58, when the religious leaders are arguing with Jesus about who he is, they say, we have no other father besides Abraham. And Jesus responds by saying, before Abraham was born, I am. He was claiming to be Yahweh, claiming to be the one true God, and they wanted to kill him for it. God created you. And he wants a relationship with you so much that even though we have all turned our backs on him and our sin has broken our relationship with God, he went to the great length of coming to this earth himself in the person of Jesus. And he died the death we deserved on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so we could be brought back into relationship with him. I thought about this question this week, how far would I go? to restore a broken relationship, especially when it's the other person's fault and I bear no responsibility. And it gave me a new appreciation for what God did for me and for what God did for us. God's name is Yahweh, and Jesus reveals his purpose of saving us from our sins and his character of loving us and wanting a relationship with us. And the third and final thing I want us to understand about God's name today. If you're following in your notes, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Yahweh. It's the name by which we are saved. In the very first sermon ever preached by Peter after the resurrection of Jesus, in Acts chapter 2, verse 21, Peter says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You go to Acts 4, and it says, there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the name by which we experience freedom from bondage, from guilt, from shame, self-hatred. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, we're told the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy our lives. Jesus is the name by which the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. Jesus is the name that drives out demons. Jesus is the name that gives us power to defeat temptation. Jesus is the name by which we can experience peace in this world of chaos. Jesus is the name in which we can find hope in the midst of despair. There is power in calling on the name of Jesus, and there is power in praying in the name of Jesus. So as we get started in this series, who is this God? He is Yahweh, revealed in full to us in Jesus. And so the question for us today that I want to leave us with is the same question that Jesus asked Peter in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. If you're following in your notes, Who do you say that I am? 
Who do you say that I am? What do you believe about God? What comes to your mind when you think about God? Because it's the most important thing about us. Who do you say that I am? So we want to give you just a moment. I even want to invite you to put, put your notes away for, for just a moment. And I want to invite you to consider this. Maybe today is the day that you believe for the first time that Jesus is God. He's the one who created everything, the one who created you, and the one who wants a relationship with you. Maybe today is the day you call on the name of the Lord and you are saved. You just admit to him that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness and you turn from your sin and you turn to him. Maybe today is the day you call on the name of the Lord. Or maybe today, man, you just need to remember there is power in his name. There is something in your life that you need freedom from or healed from. Maybe it's an addiction or a habitual sin or a disease, or there's a situation in your life that needs resolution or a relationship in your life that needs restoration. Maybe there's just this one area of your life that you're holding back from God and you can't give yourself fully to him yet because you can't open your hands and let go of this one thing. There is power in the name of Jesus. And if you are willing to call on his name and trust in his name, you'll discover his way is better than all the ways of this world. And it doesn't mean life will be perfect, but it does mean you can experience his presence and his power in your life, regardless of what you're going through. So we want to give you just a moment, the gift of time, the gift of silence, to practice this. Who do you say he is. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.